morning, uh, if you got your Bibles, uh, if you would turn to 1 Samuel chapter 4, we're going to read verses 18 through 22. Uh, we will uh, be talking today from really the first four chapters of 1 Samuel, uh, is where our message comes from today, but I don't think I need to read all four chapters to you. Uh, this is really the heart of it all in this scripture here that I'm having you turn to now. And uh, the heart of the message is contained in here, and I, I will give context to it and all of that. But today, we're going to start with 1 Samuel chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. And if you got it, if you would stand to your feet so I know you're ready. And then we will get into his word this morning. It'll also be on the screen if you do not have a Bible with you today. 1 Samuel chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. I will be using the Christian Standard Bible translation this morning, so it may be a little different than uh, what yours reads or how yours reads. This is what it says. When he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell backward off the chair by the city gate, and since he was old and heavy, his neck broke and he died. Eli had judged Israel for 40 years. Eli's daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, was pregnant and about to give birth. When she heard the news about the capture of God's ark and the deaths of her father-in-law and her husband, she collapsed and gave birth because her labor pains came on her. As she was dying, the woman taking care of her said, Don't be afraid, you've given birth to a son. But she did not respond or pay attention. She named the boy Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel, referring to the capture of the ark of God and the deaths of her father-in-law and her husband. The glory has departed from Israel, she said, she said, because the ark of God has been captured. Heavenly Father, we come before you today asking that you would add your blessing to this word. God, that you would speak to our hearts and our minds and transform us and let us walk out of here different than what we came in today. Lord God, we ask this all in your holy name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. To give some uh, context of what is happening here, the uh, priest Eli, uh, starting at the beginning of 1 Samuel, uh, we find that he comes under judgment of God because of the corruption that is in his household. His sons are uh, corrupted, They've, they're taking bribes, they're doing things that are evil, and they're treating God's sacrifices with contempt. And uh, because of that, God places a curse on him. And throughout this, uh, this scripture, we, we see Samuel. He, he's serving God and he's growing to be the next great prophet of Israel. And we, we see the different rebelliousness of, of Eli's son and, and Eli not dealing with them because they are his sons. And he, he's showing them favor rather than fearing God, which is never a good idea. Amen? And so we, we come to this scripture here, and, and what we're seeing is the fruit of all of this. It is the fruit of all of, of this situation, of all the corruption, of all the rebellion that is going on. What we have here is the glory of God departing from the people of Israel. That, that's a, uh, a harsh reality for this people. That is a hard thing for this people to have to deal with. Because it is through the glory of God that they have found victory after victory. It is through the glory of God and the guidance of God that they have found freedom from Egypt. They have found freedom. They have found deliverance. They have seen God work and protect them and provide for them all these years. And so when the glory departs, it adds a heaviness upon this nation. A heaviness that is so heavy, in fact, that, that this daughter-in-law of Eli names her son 
after the glory departing from Israel. You see, but I, I want to suggest to you today that the glory departed before the ark was captured. You see, the ark of the covenant, it, it is a representation of the presence of God, the glory of God. But the Bible teaches that it is between the cherubim that God is enthroned on this ark. It's not the ark in and of itself is the presence of God. It is a vessel through which God makes a throne and, and manifests himself to the people and to the priests. And so when, when the priests are not treating his sacrifices and the offerings properly, God is not honored, therefore he does not show up. You see, this is, this is important because the glory departed long before the ark was captured. The glory did not just disappear overnight. It was a process. It, it was this, this uh, prolonged treatment of God and how they honored him and how they worshiped him that got them to this point to where the ark was able to be captured. You see, if the glory would not have departed earlier, the ark wouldn't have been able to be captured because the people would have never have allowed it to happen because God would have given them the victory in battle and would have prevented it. But it says all the way back in 1 Samuel chapter 2, uh, it says... It says in verses 12 through 17, it says, Eli's sons were wicked men. The Bible says they did not respect the Lord or the priest's share of the sacrifices from the people. It says when anyone offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come up with a three-pronged meat fork while the meat was boiling and plunge it into the container, the kettle, the cauldron, or the cooking pot. The priest would claim for himself whatever the meat fork brought up. This is the way they treated all the Israelites who came there to Shiloh. Even before the fat was burned, the priest's servant would come and say to the one who was sacrificing, Give the priest some meat to roast because he won't accept boiled meat from you, only raw. If that person said to him, The fat must be burned first, then you can take whatever you want for yourself. The servant would reply, No, I insist that you hand it over right now, and if you don't, I'll take it by force. So the servant's sin was very severe in the presence of the Lord because the men treated the Lord's offering with contempt. The word contempt really is just a way of saying they've treated the Lord's offering with disrespect and as if it was worthless. They began to look at the offerings of God, the sacrifices that they were bringing to the temple as something of not really any value that they could just treat any way they wanted to. And they expected God to show up and still take care of them. It's, it's amazing to me. Uh, there's, there's really two ways in which they treated this offering with contempt. And they, they amaze me in, in, in how they can parallel with us today. The first is that uh, they made the sacrifice all about them. They made the sacrifice about what they could get. They made the sacrifice about their benefit. They made the sacrifice about their glorification. They made the sacrifice all about them. How many people in church today, and I'm talking capital C church, walk into church and it's all about them? People come to church with the, with the face of worshiping God, but in reality they're there to seek their own validation. We come to, to validate ourselves. We come, and it comes through many different ways. Sometimes we make it all about ourselves, and we, we, I've got nothing against how anybody chooses to dress as long as your heart's in the right place. But there are people who come into church wearing three-piece suits, 
uh, and the fancy stuff, and, and their, their sole purpose is to, to make themselves feel better than everybody else. There, there's pe- pe- people who come to the church with their preferences of style, their, their desires of how the music should sound, how the lights should look, and all of these things that, that if it's not just the way they like it, then they can't worship. No. Come on. That, that's a big problem because then that makes the worship about you. And when we worship, it is not about us. If our worship is about us, then we are our own God. And that's the problem here, is this offering and this sacrifice became all about them. And therefore, they became their own God. They were worshiping themselves by giving themselves the best share. They they gave what belonged to God to themselves. They treated themselves better than they treated God and worshiped God. You see, too many people walk into church saying, oh, I, I don't like the old stuff. I don't like the old songs. Some people say, I don't like the new songs. I don't like the way they painted it. I don't like the carpet. I don't like this. I don't like that. Well, the good news is, is that's, that's okay because none of it's for you. I, I, I mean that with all the love in my heart, but the songs that we sing, we don't sing them to worship you and glorify you and to make you feel good. We sing and we worship to glorify God and lift His name up. And, and the byproduct of our worship is His presence coming in and, and edifying us as a body. You see, if we come in with the goal of walking out of here feeling validated and all of those things, our, our worship is not about God, it's about us. And we will miss out on the true glory of God with that attitude. That they took and they, they saved what belonged to God to glorify themselves and to take care of themselves. The second way that they treated this offering with contempt is they kept the fatty meat. The fat was supposed to be boiled for God. They said, no, we're going to take that for ourselves. They kept what belonged to God. So not only did they keep it to glorify themselves, they, they, they wouldn't give God what he deserved to begin with, period. How many of us withhold our praise, withhold our worship, we withhold what really belongs to God and we save for ourselves? You see, how many of us come in tired and worn out and we can't worship because we're tired? We don't make the time to worship. We don't make the effort to worship. We, we, don't, we don't give God our best. When we have that spirit about us, what we are declaring to God is, you're not worth our time. Or our time is more important in other places. When we don't give the effort and we don't give the energy, we're telling God, you're not worth the effort. See, your actions speak way louder than your words. You can sing the songs and only ever give lip service. God and Jesus condemns the acts of the Pharisees. He says, they draw near to me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. That is the type of worship you end up with when you withhold what belongs to God. When you save your best energy for yourself and your selfish desires. When we save our time for ourselves. And there's this, this idea of self-care that is out there. And by all means, take care of yourself. 
don't just let yourself go and waste away, but that it has gone so far that it's turned into a form of narcissism where your life is all about you. You ignore other people. You ignore God because you need self-care. You need, you need the extra pedicure. You need the extra uh, hair day. You need all this stuff and that. And then you make no time for the things that matter. It is a culture, maybe it's not a culture that has affected you, but I have seen it affect others where their self-care has impeded their ability to worship, it has impeded their ability to work, and, and add really any value to their life because it's gone beyond self-care and into narcissism. And it's all about them, and their whole life becomes about them. It becomes a toxic thing to your life and to the lives of people around you because you see God's given us I'm getting a little bit off track here a little bit but God's given us responsibilities God's given us things that we are supposed to do and when we start making everything about us and we begin withholding the best for us we miss out on what God has for us because we aren't doing the things God has us to do they withheld what belonged to God we spend way too much time worrying about, i got to make sure I have enough energy for that. Uh, I worked all this time this week. And maybe you did work 700 hours in a week, if that's even possible. Maybe you did do all of these things. But if you don't leave the best for God, there, there's a reason why God asks for the first fruits in offering. The reason he asks for the first fruits is because it's the best. He doesn't want what's left over. He wants what you have at the beginning because what you have at the beginning is the best there's a reason why if you look at most calendars we, we tend to think Monday is the first day of the week but really Sunday is the first day of the week when you look at it that way we give God Sunday we give him the first day of the week to honor him and to worship him and to come into his house and hear what he has to say but too many times it goes by the wayside. I, I understand people have lives and, and things come up. People are sick. And, and by all means, if you're sick, please stay home. I, I don't mean that meanly. I mean that with all the love in my heart because if you come in sick, others will also get sick. I, I understand that sometimes you have to work and provide for your family. I understand those things happen, but we cannot allow those things to take priority and precedence over the glory of God in our life. God deserves our first and our best, and we should not withhold any of it. And, and we've seen the result already in 1 Samuel 4, in our opening scripture. But there's another segment of it that before we read in 1 Samuel 4, we find in 1 Samuel 3, verse 1, the Bible says that the boy Samuel served the Lord in Eli's presence. And in those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and prophetic visions were not widespread. No wonder they were losing battles. No wonder the people were lost. No wonder people were hurting. They allowed the glory of God to depart from them and therefore were no longer hearing from him. I can't live my life where God is silent. I can't. 
When God is silent, I lack wisdom. I lack understanding. I lack direction. When God is silent, how, how do, I, I don't understand how people can live and not hear from God. No wonder the world is so lost. They don't hear from Him. No wonder the world is trapped. No wonder the people who, who do not have the glory of God in their life are so defeated all the time. It's because they do not ever hear from Him. And they do not hear from Him because of their content towards Him has caused His glory to depart from them. And where there is no glory of God, there is no moving of God. You see, this comes down to honor and honoring God. We, see it, we even see this in the New Testament. In Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, it says this, he says, He left there, talking about Jesus, and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished. Where did this man get these things, they said? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? And how are these miracles performed by his hands? Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of <clears throat> James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And aren't his sisters here with us? So they were offended by him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his household. He was not able to do a miracle there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. He was going around the village teaching. A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. When Jesus is not in his place of honor, if, when he is not on the throne because he's not honored, he can't do the work that he wants to do. We see that here in this scripture. He shows up in his hometown. He, he's teaching and, and these people are amazed by all this wisdom. But they say, hold on a second. We, we know who he is. Where is this coming from? We know this guy. This is Mary's son. He's, he's just a carpenter. Who, who does he think he... This, this is really their attitude because the Bible says they were offended. It says, who does he think he is to come in here with this kind of wisdom? He's nothing more than a carpenter. Who, who, is, it? who, who is this man to tell us anything? And so the Bible says the result of that was that he didn't do any miracles except... He touched a few sick people and healed them. But there was so much that was missed out on because Jesus did not have the honor that he deserved. You see, it's not that God has to have our honor. It's not like our honor gives him his power, but our honor opens the door for him to operate in his power. You see, why, why would he operate in a place he's not welcome? See, that's the beautiful thing is we have choice in our life. All the way back in Eden, we've had a choice on whether we walk in obedience or rebellion. And so with that and because of that, we, we find ourselves in situations every day where we decide, are we going to live a life that honors God 
Or are we going to live a life that dishonors him? And when we choose the dishonor path, don't be surprised when God doesn't show up for you. See, Jesus needs to be in his rightful place. And and this goes for specific areas of our life as well as it does our life as a whole. You see, if God's not in his place of honor in your marriage, your marriage is going to struggle. If God's not honored in your finances, your finances are going to struggle. If God is not honored in your family, your family is going to have some strife. If God is not honored in your career, your career can be difficult. If God is not honored and you fill in the blank, don't expect him to work in that area. And I find that we try to like compartmentalize God and, and we, we try to honor him in this area but not that area. We honor him in, in one way, but not the other. And for whatever reason, we think that if we separate him from this area, somehow it'll be better because we're the ones in control of it. You see, these Israelite people found that to be false because they begin to compartmentalize God in their life and, and treat him with content and dishonor and separated themselves from his glory because of it. And that's why we see that God was not speaking, God was not moving at this time period. Because he was not welcome there. It wasn't like they directly said, God, we don't want you here. It was a slow progression of actions that led them to drive the presence of God out of their life. And it started with simply not being so concerned about how they worshipped him. They weren't too concerned about it. They were more concerned about themselves. See, when our, when our lives are about us, we shouldn't be surprised when we struggle. Because if it's all about us, it all falls on us. But when we make our lives about God and serving God, and we make Him the priority. You see, in Hosea chapter 1, I was just reading this the other night. God is speaking to His people. In, in, I'm sorry, in Haggai chapter 1. God is speaking to his people through this prophet and he's teaching them the reasoning for why they struggle. You see these people uh, receive this word from the prophet and he says, you're, you're planting, things aren't really growing, you're earning wages, but it's like there's a hole in your purse. He goes, the reason is because you've made your life about building your paneled home, your house, and, and building your life. And he goes, and you've neglected my house and making me the priority building my temple and you may say well we this this is the new testament we we aren't so worried about building a temple well the bible teaches us that we are the temple we as people are the temple and when you make your life about building your house rather than his temple and his place of dwelling we miss out on his glory And you miss out on his provision. You miss out on so much. We shouldn't be surprised. How how does it get to this point? How how do we find ourselves in a place like this? Like I said, it's a slow fade. And and just like the people in Mark when Jesus shows up, they they he was in his hometown, he was well known. They knew who he was. You see, the problem is is the miraculous, powerful Jesus became common to them. 
he wasn't given the value that he should have been given. See, honor is just giving the value to something. Like if think of you and you go to the store and you they honor a coupon, they honor a gift certificate based on the value that is on it. That's how much it is applied. When when we honor Christ, we give him a certain value. And that level of value determines the amount of work that he's going to do in your life. You see, we, we want to talk about, well, I thought this thing was all about faith and not about works. Well, faith without works is dead. And sometimes you got to put a little bit of work in. you got to put your hands to the plow and build your faith and put God in his place of honor and make an effort to honor him. When we do not honor him, he comes off of his throne because we've decided we're going to put something else on the throne. And when something else is on the throne, that thing becomes our God, and we have devalued Christ and valued these other things. When we spend too much time in our careers rather than in his presence, when we spend too much time uh, worrying instead of praying, when we do all of these things, we take Christ off of his throne. It's a slow fade to get to this point. It doesn't just happen. It takes time. And I want us to be cautioned today to never lack in the honor that we give Christ. To be reminded that that in this life we have to put him in his place of honor or we will miss out on the work that he wants to do. In Malachi uh, chapter 1 verses 8 through 9 it says this, When you present a blind animal for sacrifice, is it not wrong? And when you present a lame or sick animal, is that not wrong? Bring it to your governor. Would he be pleased with you or show you favor? Asked the Lord of armies. And now plead for God's favor. Will he be gracious to us? Since this has come from your hands, how will he show any of you favor? Ask the Lord of armies. That's kind of a heavy scripture this morning. I'm getting ready to close this out. But he's telling his people, he's saying, you bring lame and sick sacrifices. He says, your governor, your earthly government and governor wouldn't be pleased with it. Why would you expect that I would be pleased with it? Try giving it to your governor and see if he'll show you favor. He says, how, how would I, why would I show you favor for a lame sacrifice like that? You see, our sacrifice, our worship, our praise, our honor that we give God truly matters. If we want to see God move, if we want his presence active and alive in our life, we have to give him the praise and the honor He is due. There's a reason why it is called a sacrifice of praise and why we use that term. It's because sometimes it feels like a sacrifice. It feels like a sacrifice to come in here and give of your time because you know that if you come to church and you do this, that those are hours you could have spent working on something else. When you, when you miss and, and, and have to, uh, when you give sacrificially in offerings and tithes, there's times where it has been painful to write a tithe check for me, where it has been a moment where I 
had tears, and I said, Lord, this one's going to hurt. But I wrote it anyway. There have been times where I didn't want to come to the house of God, especially in my younger years as a teenager. But I went anyway. There were times when you're just not in the mood for it. You don't feel right. You'd, you have a problem going on in your life, and you, and you just can't focus. And it, and it takes a decisive effort, a dedicated effort, to come and worship Him. There are times when it really feels like a sacrifice. And it feels like an effort. But I have found that it is in those moments we find the greatest blessing. Because when we give Him what costs us something... See, he doesn't want us, all, want, to give, want us to give something that costs us nothing. There's a reason why he asked for the pure and spotless animals in sacrifice. Because those are the ones of the greatest value. There's a reason why in the New Testament, when uh, the, the woman with the two mites came and just gave those, those two little coins, Jesus said she's given more than anybody else has because it's all she has. That There is a reason why these people find great blessing is because they've realized that their value and their honor is not in those things. That they've, they've decided that the value and honor goes to, to the one who sits on the throne in heaven. And they give him the honor and the glory. Would you stand with me this morning? <laughs>